Why would God choose any of us? Because we're all sinful. The only thing God really, really, um, really owes us is condemnation. The only thing that God really owes us is, is judgment and hell. Um, so why does God choose anyone? And, and a more amazing question is, why did God choose me? Right? If you're a believer, why did God choose you? Out of all the billions of people, before the foundation of the time God chose, He picked out you to be His, to be saved. And that is an amazing truth because God loves you and He chose you. And the second thing He calls the Colossians is holy. And holy, uh, essentially, it means set apart. And, and so in that, in that picture, again, transferring them, it's like God is setting them apart for himself. He's taking them out of the world. He's taking them out of where they were and making them his own. And if you've read the Old Testament, you know, like, the priests, they try to approach God, but they have to be holy. Otherwise, they'll die, right? They'll just die if they're not holy. And so in some way, God opens this door to make you holy, that you can have a relationship with him. And so Paul says they are chosen ones, they are holy. And the last one, he says they are beloved. And so they are beloved. And one picture to kind of drive this home in our minds is, is, is to think about this. So in maybe the 1980s, 1990s, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this country called Romania, uh, but this country in Romania, Romania kind of opened up its borders all of a sudden and people started hearing about, there were many orphanages in Romania. And, and a lot of these orphanages, because of everything going on in that country, were poorly run. So there were maybe 30 to 40 kids in a room at a time, they were, you know, they weren't taking care of a lot of the babies. You know, they weren't having their diapers changed. Um, sometimes they wouldn't have enough food for everyone, or that there would be issues with electricity, and you know, they're not getting educated. And so, thinking about that dark situation, and and when everyone started in the world started hearing about this, people started going to adopt them. And so, just imagine someone going to adopt a kid, and they hand choose this kid, and they take him, and they take him to, um, let's say, the United States. They bring him to the United States. And bringing him to the United States, they bring this kid and then they say, hey, you can stay at my house, um, but I'm going to send you to boarding school. I'm going to give you money, I'm going to give you food, but I don't want to talk to you. And just think like how crazy that would be. It's great that you're out of this situation. It's great that you've been chosen and you've been set apart into this new world, but you're missing. There's something missing, right? There's something missing. The love and this relationship. And this is what God did because God didn't have to bring us out. God didn't have to choose us. God didn't have to set us apart as holy. And God didn't have to set his love upon us. But he does. Um, and the Bible says that we are not only uh, called to be gods, but we are also called sons and daughters. Which is an amazing truth. 1 John 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And so this is just an amazing motivation, an amazing uh, encouragement to them that they are chosen ones, that they are holy, and they are beloved. And so Paul encourages them with all these things. Uh, and Paul is not just simply saying, like, go do this stuff. Go, go be a soldier. He's saying, look at the special love and attention God has given to you, and then go do these things. And then go do these things that I'm calling you to put on. And so, and really with this motivation, the Colossians should be really ready to do anything for God, right? If we're so motivated, and if we were to motivate, if we were to just meditate on these truths, that we are God's chosen, we are holy, and we are beloved, we should just have open hands and say, God will do anything, right? If God says, run to New York, we just be like, go. You know, like Forrest Gump, we should be going. But, you guys probably don't know that movie, sorry. Um, but there should be, this, there's just this building of motivation. And so now we can finally look at, what are we to put on? Um, so Paul says first, the command, right? Put on, put on. The encouragement, the motivation was as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. 
And now, what are the godly qualities that he calls us to put on? So the first one is compassionate hearts. In compassionate hearts, when you think about it, uh, basically what it means is you're having a deep concern. You're having a deep care for another person. And often you're just having a care or concern for someone who is suffering or going through a hardship or um, you're, you're showing mercy to. So compassionate hearts is having a deep emotional concern for another person. One story that highlights this in Jesus' life is in Luke 7. It says, uh, when Jesus is walking into a town, he sees a widow. Uh, so a widow is a woman who doesn't have a husband, for whatever reason, reason in Luke 7. And she's walking in a funeral, funeral procession. And it says that the funeral procession is for her only son. So this woman who doesn't have a husband, uh, she's a widow, is now going to bury her only son. And in the word it says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Uh, and then he goes and he raises up the boy to life and he gives her back to her mother. Um, and so Jesus didn't go up to, Jesus didn't just go up to this lady and say, stop crying, like everyone's gonna die. You know, or, or maybe you'll see him in heaven. No, but Jesus had this compassion. He had a compassionate heart to her and he wanted to um, have this desire and love for her. And so as new people, as you think about uh, your own call to be a new person, do you have compassion towards others? And one way to think about it is when you see that homeless person on the street, do you have, is your natural reaction to have compassion towards them? Or is your natural reaction like, oh, they're dirty, you know, um, or oh, they deserve it? Probably, you know, they didn't work hard in their life, and you just have this cold heart towards them. What, what is your natural reaction to them? And in the same thing, I'm sure you've seen kids in school uh, who are not awesome. You know, maybe they're not the coolest kids, maybe they're weird. Um, and you're just like, Man, that, that's a weird kid. Like, maybe you make fun of them. Um, maybe you just have this cold heart towards them. Right? And I'm not saying we're called to be everyone's best friend. I'm not saying you have to take everyone home and, and give them showers. But but do you have do you have a compassionate heart towards people, right? Or do you have a cold heart? Do you have a, a, a desire for them to be made more like Christ? And and this is what really we should be as new people. We should have new people eyes to see people as Christ sees them, made in the image of God. Uh, and, and we see that Christ did not relate to people. Christ did not see people as just poor and rich or barbarians and Scythians or, or uh, Gentiles and Jews. He saw them as people made in the image of God with a soul. And he had compassion towards them. And so we are called to have compassionate hearts towards others. The second one is kindness. And I think everyone pretty much knows what kindness is. Um, it's just this idea of doing good or giving good towards, to others. It's pretty straightforward, um, but it's always a good question to ask ourselves. Not just do we know what it means, not just uh, do we kind of know in general what this is, but are we doing it? Are we doing it? And uh, one, one thing to think about is are we kind to everyone, right? I, I know in my own life, thinking about high school, like it's so, it was so easy for me to be kind to my friends because, because I cared about them, because uh, I cared about what they thought about me. You know, if my friends spilled something on my shirt and ruined my favorite shirt, I was just like, it's okay, like, I still love you. But I would go home and my brother, you know, he, maybe he'll bump me or maybe we'll just get in a, a stupid fight about, you know, which bowl is better, I don't know. And it's just like, how could you offend me so much? Like, you're the worst brother ever. You know, and we just have this, this kindness where like, we practice it so well with some people and we don't, we're not willing to practice it with other people. And I want to challenge you more that kindness is not just about being reactive, but it's about being active. And so I want to encourage you to think about, do you actively think about how you can be kind? 
Do you actively think about how you can be kind, maybe to that kid who is not cool, maybe to that person, you, you, that stranger you meet? Do you think about how you can be kind even to your parents? Uh, do you think about how you can encourage them? And you might be thinking, that's weird, right? That's weird, that's not my job. That's, I'm a student, or I'm a kid, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a child. Like, I'm not supposed to encourage my parents, my parents are supposed to encourage me. Um, but as we think about the new person and our identity, we're not, you're not just a student anymore. You're not just a child anymore. You're a son of God. You're, you are able as a new person to love someone else and be kind to them as Christ did to you. Uh, the third one is humility. And, and humility is basically loving, uh, acting to love others more than yourselves. Right? And, and humility is basically the opposite of pride. And I think we know pride is often centered on ourselves. Right? Thinking about ourselves, um, thinking that we know best, c- complaining when things aren't going our way, um, trying to find approval from other people in us, trying to get the most Instagram likes. Like Pride is all about self. And humility is the opposite. It's not all about us. It's not self-centered, but it's other-centered. And even being other-centered so much that we're willing to sacrifice for others, to love others more than ourselves. And something to encourage you and, and to think about is the ultimate act of humility was Christ. Was Christ coming to become a man? Uh, and, and really thinking about that. Jesus coming to be a man, that's more amazing. That's more awesome than seeing a dead person come to life. Because God, Jesus was God, and he came to be a man. And Philippians 2 says, when Jesus came to be a man, it says, Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus came, and he didn't come for himself, but he came to die. And he didn't come to add anything to himself because he had perfect glory. Jesus came and his death was not for himself, it was for you, right? It was for your sins that he came. And so I think we can, it's safe to say that we have infinite room to grow in our humility. The fourth one is uh, meekness. And sorry for the handout, they're really tiny, <laughs> but hopefully you can fit it on there. Uh, meekness is the fourth one. And meekness can be also um, translated as gentleness. And this is just a general attitude, our, our action, that we should be not harsh, but gentle. Not harsh, but gentle. Uh, meekness is a hum- also has this kind of idea of being confident in the Lord, humbly confident in the Lord through hardships or when, when you're treated wrongly. And so uh, you might ask, like, well, how can I be gentle towards others when they're jerks towards me? Right? How can I be gentle to someone when they're wrong? I, I want to correct them. Uh, but as new people, confident in God's control, confident in His power to change dead people to living people, um, we can be gentle. We can respond in gentleness and trust the Lord. Proverbs 15.1 helps us uh, in this. Uh, it says, a soft, a soft or gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so uh, for you, maybe just think about how do I respond? How do I respond to people when they, I disagree with them? How do I respond uh, when people are harsh towards me. The next one is uh, patience. And this can be translated in uh, long-suffering. And it's pretty straightforward again, patience. I think we all kind of know what patience is, showing patience towards others. Uh, but this is uh, an attribute that it, it's so easy to understand, but again, it takes a lifetime to grow in. And it's also one I think we forget because we're so wrapped up in, in getting things done quickly, being efficient in this world, and we might think like, oh, patience, not, it's not that big of a sin. Um, but again, do you, do you find yourself being impatient with your siblings 
right? When they annoy you again and again, and then they annoy you again and again and again. Um, do you find yourself being impatient when your siblings are trying to get in your stuff and, and trying to hear your conversations? And um, one I can relate to when I was a kid is just when you're, when you're playing a game or maybe you're hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden, like your parents have something for you to do. And they're like, hey, I need you to take out the trash. I need you to clean your room. And you're like, right now? Like, this is, this is crazy right now? And they're like, yes. And it's just like, it's just so hard to respect your parents, to be patient with them, to be loving towards them. And patience is hard when you're wronged, right? Nobody wants to be long-suffering. No one wants to suffer for a long time. But one, one thing to encourage us is to remember God's patience, to remember that as God was patient with us, we can be patient with, patient with others. Because in our old man, all we did was keep sinning. Right? All we do is keep sinning. We keep sinning and sinning and sinning, and God is patient. And he doesn't just come down and, and kill us, but he's patient. And then even as new people, even as believing in Christ, so often we, we grow and then we fail. And then we grow and then we fail. And we grow and we fail. And, and God shows his love that he is patient with us. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and is an abounding in steadfast love. So praise God that he is patient with us. And the next two, um, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, um, these next two ones, it's not really clear if these are an extension of patience or maybe just by themselves, but either way, Paul calls the Colossians to put on these as well. Um, and so bearing with one another is, it can be understood as something like putting up with another person. And so I'm sure there's people in your life that you don't always get along with perfectly, right? I'm sure there's people in your life that do things that are kind of annoying at times. Uh, I'm sure that people, in your, even in your, in your family, uh, that you uh, have a hard time just loving them easily. Um, but these things, we're called not just to, oh, I'm just gonna put up with you, and you know, God tells me I should love you, so all right, I guess, you know, I guess I'll love you. That's not supposed to be our, our attitude, but our attitude uh, in putting up with others is to bear with them to overlook some things, to, to um, assume the best of them and to maintain that relationship with them. I think I'm missing a page. Sorry. All right. Uh, and the next one is forgiving other people, forgiving each other. So it says, uh, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And so often, even as new people, even as people in Christ, we've, we sin against each other, right? People sin against us, and we are called as new people uh, to forgive, to forgive others. And, and notice this command, it, it's grounded in Jesus' forgiving us. It says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So you also must forgive. And you might say, but that's hard, right? That's hard to forgive someone who keeps sinning against me. Uh, and, and even with our kids, you know. They probably say sorry to each other, I don't know, 10 times every day. So just imagine every day. That's like hundreds of thousands of forgivings uh, every, every year, every year that you keep on going and going and going. And, um, but this should be the natural response for us because if we think about it, just think about how many sins God has forgiven us. Right? And when we are forgiven by God, we're forgiven of this eternal weight, this infinite debt. And so when someone sins against us, even one time, even hundreds of times, even thousands of times, uh, we can forgive them because Christ has forgiven us. And so the last attribute is love. The last attribute you see in verse 14, it says, And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so there's two things we should note about love. Uh, the first one is that it is, a, it is above all these. And you might be thinking, why is love so important? Um, Jesus says in Matthew 22, a lawyer comes to Jesus and, and he asked him, um, he asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers with this. He says, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so why did Jesus answer with that um, kind of simple answer? Why did he only say, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself? Because if you love people truly, if you love God fully, if you love others as yourself, you will fulfill all the rest of the commands. Because it's the most loving thing to do. If, if you meet someone and you have a hard time, you can lovingly be patient with them. If, if someone is, uh, sins against you and they ask for forgiveness, the most loving thing to do is forgive them. And so Jesus makes it clear, uh, and Paul makes this clear, that love stands above all because it is the most loving thing to do. And all the qualities um, come out of love. And the second thing he says is that love binds these qualities together in perfect harmony. And what does that mean? Love binds these, everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur says that love is like a belt. So back then, I guess, people used to put on tunics. Um, so just kind of like free-flowing clothes. They, maybe they'll put on some undergarments, and they'll tie everything together with a belt. And so uh, he says love is like the belt. It binds all these things together. So all the clothes we're putting on, we're putting on kindness, we're putting it on gentleness, we're putting on meekness, and then we're tying it all together with love. And so if you don't have the belt of love, you're just going to be running around, and everything's going to be flying off, right? You're just going to be losing all your clothes, uh, and you're just going to be looking like a fool. And really, the only thing, you, you'll be humble, maybe. Um, but that's it. Uh, so, <laughs> so without love, we're nothing. We, we lose all these other things. Without love, we're not going to put up with people. Without love, we're not going to compassionately love others. Without love, we're not going to suffer in their place and humbly love them. And so without love, as First Corinthians says, you're not gonna, you will be nothing. And without love, you will gain nothing. And so love is this ultimate quality that we need to put on. Love is this ultimate quality um, that binds everything else together. And so one, one application to think through, one application, application question I put down too is just thinking through these qualities. There's about five to seven of them. Thinking through them and, and just thinking about how can I improve? How can I improve in these qualities? But maybe a better question, maybe a greater question is that just in every situation you have, uh, any circumstance you have, you can ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do? What is the most loving thing I can do in this situation? How can I love this person as Christ loves? And um, so just to conclude, to summarize everything we've been talking about, uh, first we looked at the command to put on, then we looked at the motivation as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, and then we looked at all the qualities we're called to put on. Uh, and so we have this, this command and all these things, uh, but there is this hope that if we do these things, if we put these on as Christians and we move forward, uh, that they build up and, and we'll become um, more godly people and we'll love other, people's well, other people well. And it, it'll just be a joy. I think once we reach heaven and we look back and we can just see like, wow, look, look at what God did. Right? He took me from this dead man. He took me from this sinner. And all I did was care about myself. And, and by God's grace, he transformed me and he, he moved me along to put on these qualities. And so this is this glorious hope we have. Um, but before we close, I, I just wanted to address one more thing is, is as we're looking at all these qualities, uh, and there's just 
there's just a lot here to think about. There's a lot here to process if, if we take the time to think through it. It can be overwhelming to think about because you know maybe, maybe you did have a hard day today. Maybe you were impatient with your mom. Maybe you kicked your dog. I don't know. You know maybe you just, you just struggled with your sin today. Um, and so it, it could be. And in a lot of ways, it should be uh, overwhelming because there's a lot to grow in. But there's also a warning here, right? There's also a warning because the new person is expected to put these things on. The new person is expected to look like something. Jesus says that every tree, every good tree bears good fruit. And he says the bad tree bears bad fruit. And he says each tree is known by its fruit. And so as you're thinking through these things, if you are finding yourself enjoying the sins of the old man, if you're finding yourselves enjoying the fleshly things and you're not striving to put these on, it may be concerning. It may be concerning that maybe you don't have the new nature. Maybe you don't have this new reality and maybe you're not saved, right? Um, and that, that is a terrifying place to be, but there's also a solution, right? There's a solution for both unbelievers and believers thinking through these things. The solution is Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who perfectly lived out these qualities. Jesus had perfect compassion on the poor and the sick. Jesus showed perfect kindness to everyone he met, and even those who were his enemies. Um, Jesus was gentle and lowly. He meekly took all things, even persecution. Jesus was humble. He came to the earth, right, like we said, with no benefit to himself, but he died for you. And Jesus patiently bore our sins on the cross, and he forgave us, paying for our sins by his death. And so, to those who do not know Christ, to those who... Uh, realize as you look through these things and you think through, this is not me. This is not me. I don't have the new reality. I'm not putting these things on. Um, I don't desire these things. To those who find themselves in that place, I would say that and encourage you that only Jesus can make you a new person. Right? Only Jesus is the one who can give you the, the ability to put off sins and put on good things. And without that identity, without being in Christ, it, it's like putting clothes on a dead person and, and trying to go to Disneyland with that dead person. It, it doesn't make sense. It's useless. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you dress a dead person up. They're still dead. And so what you need is not to put on these things first. The, the thing that you need first is a new heart. The thing that you need first is a Savior. Um, and so I just encourage you to believe in Christ because He is the one who can make you a new person. Believe in Christ that He um, has died for you and forgiven you uh, of your sins on the cross. And that he is the one who can bring you from death to life. And for believers who are, who are maybe discouraged because they did sin, or maybe you are struggling with sin now, but you do have the new reality, um, I would just encourage you that you're not called to be Jesus. Right? We're not called to be Jesus right now. We're called to become like Jesus. We're called to move towards Jesus over time. And so I would just encourage you to remember your identity. Remember that you are chosen. Remember that you are holy. Remember that you are beloved. And then work hard. Work hard to put on these things day after day. And, and as you work hard, the Spirit will help you. As you work hard, God will be with you. And we have this glorious hope. Uh, Colossians 1.4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And so that's our hope, that we will be with Christ. That we will be in Christ at the end. And we will find and have our final identity that is perfect without sin. And so that's our hope. So, I just encourage you with these things. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you.
We thank you, Lord, that you have sent Christ to be our salvation. We thank you that uh, Jesus came, that we can have a new identity, that we don't have to be the old man, that um, we can be freed from our sins and our enslavement to sin. We thank you, Lord, uh, that now we, as believers, can put on these qualities. And so we pray, God, that, um, that we would consider these things, we would think through these things, because we lack in different areas, because we need help in these areas, because we, sh- we Of course, we fall short in some of them. And so we pray, God, you help us to be humble and to put on these qualities by your grace. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would do this. We pray for those who, who do not know you, that they would put their trust in Christ and that uh, they would not keep waiting, they would not keep stalling, uh, but they would see their need uh, for a Savior. And we thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for this time. We pray you bless the conversations. Uh, and the rest of the night. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.